Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 184 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guests, Sasha Sirota and Jason Paul from GXTP, I want to remind you about all of the holiday shopping that you can do in the shop at mistresscarry.com. Hoodies, t-shirts, tank tops, beanies, baseball hats and visors, pint glasses, shot glasses, coffee mugs, coasters, a seven-in-one bartender tool, sticker packs, guitar picks, pens, koozies, mouse pads, even a bag that meets all the criteria to bring into concerts and sporting events. There are so many things for the Mistress Carrie fan on your shopping list in the online store at mistresscarry.com. Earlier this year, I was in Vegas at a rock radio convention, and they showed us a video from a new band called GXTP. It stands for Guns and Toilet Paper, an obvious reference to the hoarding during the pandemic. The video, a parody of the film Tropic Thunder, features a cameo appearance by the one and only Tommy Lee, and it is hilarious. Well, I had to meet the guys that were behind Guns and Toilet Paper, otherwise known as GXTP. And it's none other than Sasha Sirota and Jason Paul, otherwise known as Pooh Bear, who together, along with their bandmate Triple Six, make up GXTP, but they also have an unbelievable roster of artists from all genres that they have engineered, produced, and written for. Artists like Justin Bieber, Pink, 112, Usher, Steven Tyler, Pitbull, Ty Dolla Sign, Yellow Wolf, Drake, the Zac Brown Band, and so many more. I caught up with Sasha and with Jason to talk about their musical upbringing, their songwriting style, what it was like to work with Tommy Lee, whether or not Paul McCartney is in fact an alien, and why tequila is probably going to get us all thrown in jail. Their new album, Smoke and Mirrors, is available now. So allow me to introduce you to Sasha Sirota and Jason Paul from GXTP. Well, I have been waiting for this interview for a while because I need to know all about guns and all about toilet paper. Welcome to the show, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. Happy to be here. For anybody that's listening, please introduce yourselves. And I only ask that because I need to know what you want me to call you. Okay, I'm well, Jason, Jason Paul. Yep, I'm Sasha Sirota. Okay, and, so uh, just Jason and Sasha is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yep, Jason, totally fine. Yep. I know when you have uh, when you have nicknames and whatever, people ask me all the time, "Do you want me to call you Mistress?" I'm like, "No, Carrie's fine." Right. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're welcome to call me Satchmo. Some people do that. <laughs> I heard you guys for the first time earlier this year at a rock radio convention in Vegas. And they oh. they had a room full of radio people and they played the video for Contraband oh. with Tommy Lee. And so we're all sitting in there watching this video and for a bunch of radio people that weren't caffeinated in the morning in Vegas to laugh that much, I was like, okay, there's something to this. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. You're the first person that we've talked to that was actually there. I'm so happy to hear that. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I was there and you guys know how Vegas can be, right? You're up way too late. And then when somebody tries to get you out of bed before one in the afternoon, you're like, yeah. it better be for a good reason. And it was that yes. video is freaking uh -huh. hilarious. 
Thank you thank so you. much. Yeah. As fun as it is to watch, it was twice as fun to make, believe me. Yep. Well, Absolutely. That's what I was going to ask you about. So, so being on the air in Boston for as long as I have, I've had several run-ins with Tommy Lee in all mm. of his musical incarnations. Yes. And so <laughs> I know how he can be when the cameras and the microphones are on, but I also know how he can be when they're off. Right. Mm. Did he take those famous pictures that broke the internet while he was filming these videos? Did he keep it in his pants while he was with you guys? We can neither confirm nor deny any allegations brought toward our friend Tommy Lee. <laughs> Is what our Absolutely. lawyers told us to say. Oh, yeah, that's it. The fifth. Yeah. Yep. We're cleaning the fifth. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys yeah. grow up Motley Crue fans? So was it weird for you being there mm -hmm. with him? Did you know him before? I have so many questions. <laughs> I mean, not like. Um, Motley Crue fans jamming it every day or anything. Definitely um, Motley Crue appreciators or, you know, at least from, absolutely. from my, you know, angle for absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and who doesn't love Tommy Lee? I feel like, of course, he's the drummer of Motley Crue and he's done amazing things like that, but he's just transcended it too, as far as just his celebrity and his persona and his rock stardom. And, you know, I mean, who's not a fan of Tommy Lee and you know, Motley Crue is legendary, of course. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely excited to work with with Tommy Lee, and um, just because he's an icon, and and what you know, he's it's crazy enough. Like I remember him more than you know, I meet that I remember the lead singer of Motley Crue. So it just it says a lot about him, you know, being that that star power in the, in the group. So it was a, it was an honor to work with him, and I wish I could say that I knew him before, but um, we didn't. We just met him, you know, in the studio when we when we recorded the record. It felt like we knew him for years. He's he's just got such a like warm personality and uh, such a childlike enthusiasm about what he's doing to this day. Probably a good Inspiring. thing that you met him in his older years, because the stories <laughs> I've heard about the crew heyday in the eighties, you may not have survived. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, we heard some of the stories. Yep, we've seen the documentaries. Yes, yep. it was I think tough. it's crazy wild that he survived. Right? Yes, and then he's still going. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I yes. asked I asked about contraband and the video with Tommy Lee because that was my first exposure to you guys. And when we were in Vegas and they were setting up the video, they were like, look, this is a little bit different. You guys got up in the morning for a good reason, but we're going to preface this because it's a little bit different. And when they told us that the name of the band was GXTP, in my head, I'm like, okay, yeah, GXTP, but then they told us it stood for guns and toilet paper, and I was like, I need to know everything. So can you guys start at your kind of musical upbringing so that we can get to the point where you guys form the band? Like, where are you guys both from? Sasha, where are you from? I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm from yeah. the... The breaking bad of the country. <laughs> I, I'm, from, I'm from New Haven, uh, New Haven, Connecticut, which is also a um, pretty uh, poor city uh, in America. Um, yeah. So, you know, both of us come from from the dirt, from the yeah. gutter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We both came from some pretty wild places. And um, I'm sure that it has informed our uh, music and our decisions in ways that we can probably not even explain fully. But um, we and then we also we met actually in Vegas and that was in 2010. And we've done a lot of great things and great work together and grown together in a, in a lot of ways. And rock was kind of something that was, I don't know, it just it was an avenue we hadn't gone down before. So it uh, it was a natural place to end up at some point, I suppose. Well, I don't know how the pizza is in New Mexico, but being in Massachusetts, I know how good the pizza you know, is Haven. in New Haven. That's right. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, New Haven is a, a pizza place. Now, I'm going to be honest. Um, Orange County, New Jersey has an amazing pizza called uh, Star Tavern. That's life changing. I'm just going to plug Star Tavern. I, I don't own it. I have no percentages of stock. We are not but, sponsored. Um, I up, yeah, I'm not a sponsor, but Star Tavern. <laughs> Gives New Haven Pizza a run for his money. Really? And, and, you know, not, yes. Go to Star Tavern. It will change your life forever. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and but yeah, yeah don't, you don't go to Albuquerque for the pizza. <laughs> You'll be underwhelmed. <laughs> but the green chili, you know, shit. Yeah. Put green chili on everything. Put green chili on a Big Mac. I think in New England, at least I didn't grow up with an affinity for hot food. So as I expand and try new things, I have learned that I don't have a tolerance for hot peppers. Oh, mm. yeah, yeah. Now, most people yeah. don't. Yeah, I, I feel you. I mean, I don't like my food to hurt me either. You know, I'm a <laughs> sensitive guy. But but there's flavor to it too. There's there's levels to it, and yeah. definitely like I'm I'm not trying to be in pain either. So I feel you. I spend so much time talking to musicians, and I have a theory about your musical upbringing. That there's mm. the music you get exposed to as a kid, without a choice. Your parents, the cool uncle, older siblings, next door neighbors, whatever, and then there's a line in the sand in your adolescence where you discover something on your own and say, okay, this is what I like. And from then on, your musical journey is different. So what Mm. did you guys grow up listening to? What was the soundtrack to your childhood? And then what was it that defined your musical taste in your adolescence? What was the first thing that you discovered on your own? Wow. What a, what a fantastic question. Um, Amazing. Yeah, well, um, my mom was playing music all the time uh, from like uh, Peter Gabriel to Tracy Chapman and Led Zeppelin and that kind of stuff. And um, and then I got into Nirvana and Green Days, like what got me playing guitar. And then I started playing death metal when I was like 13, 14 (laughs) on the drums (laughs) because it was really just me trying to find the most like challenging thing I could find. And that also led me to playing flamenco guitar. So it's kind of all over the place. And then I started making pop music and whatever else I could that just seemed challenging. I used to think when I would play metal, I'd be like, oh, pop music's like super easy. I could do that shit. And then I started to try and it's like it's its own challenge as well. So yeah, I just fell in love with every kind of music after that point. It was interesting. And then you know, when I met Jason, he kind of, it helped me expand on that. And then I think your story in that realm is is pretty interesting, man. Yeah, I wasn't, yeah. So contrary to, to Sasha, I wasn't allowed to listen to music as a kid because my dad was a really tough preacher and my mom was super religious. So I used to listen, I was only allowed to listen to Christian trumpeteer music, like no lyrics, just music with trumpet. And so when I when my father left, I was like eight. They got a divorce. And then um, we went through a lot and ended up moving to Atlanta. And I think my mom felt bad that, you know, her and my dad split up. So she allowed me to listen to the radio. And I was 12 when I first started, like when I was actually able to listen to the radio. And I got into, you know, Nirvana. I got into um Atlantis Morissette Heavy. I got into uh four non-blondes. Um and um, Oasis, you know, oh, those were like projects and um, bands that inspired me that even, you know, opened me up to want to do uh, a project like Guns and Toilet Paper. Just I've always wanted to make, you know, rock records that could actually, you know, resonate and touch the world. So that was like, you know, I got I got into the music a bit older, but um, it definitely inspired me to want to do rock just because we've, uh, we've kind of done most of the genres and rock was the one genre that we hadn't tackled yet. So it was like a challenge for me and we're brutally honest. So we just, to be able to do an album that we're brutally honest about and we that we genuinely love was like uh, magical, you know, to be a part of it. There's so much great church music, so many great choirs, and just so much amazing. Yeah. You didn't get that good church music. I feel bad. Trumpets. Yeah, it wasn't the normal, typical soul Baptist. You know, New Haven is like, you know, New Haven. You know, so it wasn't like the, it wasn't like the South. The South had all like the big choirs in Chicago, and so in New Haven, it was just like real. Blessed be the rock. Real wholesome church music that really was um i wasn't allowed to listen to trumpeteer music and they were like they just didn't want me to be influenced in in any type of way lyrically so and i think it helped me i think it helped me not um just create a sound that um nobody can compare my sound to they can't say oh that sounds like nobody because i was not influenced by anybody 
growing up. So it allowed, it forced me to create a sound and it took years and years and years to, you know, program the universe with that sound. But thanks to artists like Justin Bieber, it helped a lot. You know, he, Justin helped a lot with that. So yeah, I was, was right with that ride with me. So I think rock was like the natural progression just to tackle it. Never, 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 never done it before. And I'm like, yo, let's just do this album. And we did it. I feel like, and I love it genuinely. Or absolutely be a part of it. I think that there's something about, there has to be something about the way that you grew up listening to like the trumpet stuff that, that baked into your head and like got you just so good at writing melodies. I mean, of course, I know it took you to get to where you wanted to get with it, but like. Yeah. But trumpet is a top line. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, plus, when you finally were allowed to put the radio on, you yeah, stumbled yeah. into a high point in rock radio. Yes. Yeah. Like the early 90s, I felt like, yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to hear it before that, but I just felt, I felt like it connected. It resonated with me so much. I'm like, wow. Like, I never thought I would listen to music outside of um, like hip hop or what was like typical, what was expected, me, expected of me to listen to. So it was like my my escape from like what people thought I was supposed to listen to, which was like rap records. So definitely inspired me. Uh, and I've always wanted to, one day, hopefully I can work with Atlantis Morissette. One day I got a chance to be interviewed by, um, uh, 49 Blondes. I, I hate that. I forget the, the lead singer's name, but you know, I finally oh, did Linda, get a chance Linda to talk Perry, to Linda Perry, the producer. Linda, yes. I finally got a chance to talk to her. She interviewed me on her podcast. So that was an honor. And um, it's an honor to work with, with Tommy Lee, you know, it's awesome just to be able to um, to work with a, a legend and other legends in that in that field. It's so crazy that the 90s is now looked back at as this prolific time in rock music. But when it was happening, obviously, when grunge hit, Nirvana changed everything and that 80s yep. kind of, you know, glam over the top rock music kind of ended I just don't think when we were living in it, we understood exactly how groundbreaking that music was going to be. And now that younger generations are looking at it as classic rock, which which hurts my soul a little bit. Yeah, yeah it makes us a little bit older, yeah. A little but bit, when you, you know? go back now and look at it in retrospect and you realize, like, the titans of rock music that came out yes. of the early and mid nineties. Yeah. We really did have an amazing time in music and you just happen to stumble on the radio and just get hit with right. this yes. wall yes. of unbelievable rock. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. For sure. Yes. And, and the names that, that you dropped was just like, you, you hit like four, just like, huge ones i was like oh my god yes those wow yeah, yeah they changed yeah, they definitely changed the direction of the rock music i feel like they and i didn't know what rock was before but now when i listen and i see those old videos with the the leg on with the tights and the the makeup on i was like <laughs> yeah they ended up getting into the rock music that i felt like definitely shaped and you know the future of rock um in the early 90s it definitely it set a precedent and raised the bar extremely high so even records like accusation it remind me it reminds me of like oasis nirvana like real chord progressions and simple and effective meaningful lyrics and melodies that that actually you know resonate with people so definitely felt like i stumbled upon um the right rock at the right time to be inspired the right way there seems sure. to be a trend with musical ability which obviously my ancestors did not possess because i didn't get it my clarinet playing oh. in high school started and ended my musical journey do you guys <laughs> come from musical families does it run in the family no not for me no. i mean like no. i said my, my mom played a lot of music like uh on the on the stereo but um no i mean me and my brother got into it together but before us there wasn't anybody yeah, nobody in my history. When did you realize you could write songs? When did you when did you realize this was something you could actually do? Because I've tried to do it and you can either do it or not. And I can't. Well, yeah. I think that totally. though you you might you would be surprised. It's, I think it's also about just having the like 
the will to suck at it for long enough until you're good at it. <laughs> you got to fail a lot. You got to fail. You got to get all the whackness out of your system. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's like the, the way I feel like you do it. And most, I feel like more people would do it if they were able to, to like hear themselves, like suck, appreciate the, the failure, appreciate it not being great and just be honest enough to grow. And that's it. And honest enough to keep doing it until you really genuinely honestly like what you're doing. Sometimes that could be 10 years. And I think 10 years is that that threshold of like kind of mastering um, a sound somewhat. So you just don't, you just, people give up usually before they are able to develop. But I feel like everybody, I didn't come from a musical background. My mom, my dad's tone deaf. My, my dad has no rhythm. My mom never sang at all. So I just kind of forced it. I just, and I knew I sucked when I was trying. Like I knew it, I was like, this is garbage. But I just had to get all the garbage out enough to where I was like, I actually started to like my voice and I actually started to like some of the original compositions that that I was doing. So most people give up a little bit too early. They gotta get all, you gotta get all the whackness out of your system. Obviously mm -hmm. there's still so much suck left in me because every time I try, uh, no. it just doesn't no. work. Mm -hmm. No, you got to try it. I bet if you went in the studio with us, we could do a song with you in a heart. That's right. Absolutely. You know what? If you could make me sound good, that you get a yeah. Grammy just for trying. <laughs> oh, I, love, I love a challenge, man. I would love to go improved. Yes. So before, before you guys met in Vegas in 2010, can you talk me through your individual kind of musical careers? Because you mentioned like Justin Bieber. I don't want to let that slip by. So like, like, what were you guys doing before you bumped into each other in Vegas? I was writing. Um, I was writing. I was, um, I, you know, ended up writing my first, co-writing my first hit when I was 16, when I was in high school for a band, for a group called 112 that was signed to uh, Bad Boy, signed to Puffy. Um, my cousin discovered that group and he was, I started writing songs when I was 11, 12 years old, writing in my neighborhood, putting together kids groups. Um, I was inspired by ABC, Crisscross, the other kids groups at that time. And my cousin was like, when I finally got 15, he was like, you can make money writing songs. So he was like, I'll put you with 112. He said, if they like you, maybe they'll write with you. And then we ended up, you know, creating uh, one hit together called Anywhere. We could do it anywhere. And then we went on, you know, I went on to do songs like Peaches and Cream and Dance With Me and other big records. And then from there, I just kept, you know, I ended up working with Usher and Jill Scott and Chris Brown. And then they got to Justin Bieber. Um, I met Justin Bieber in Vegas once again and in, in Las Vegas at a, at a party, like a private birthday party. And then that turned into um, journals, uh, purpose and changes, which I was I had the, the honor of uh, writing those three albums and Sasha along Sasha along with me came on and worked with a lot of a lot of records on Justin Bieber as well. And and Sasha had his own journey because we met, he was engineering. I mean, of course he could play every instrument, but when I met him, he was engineering. And who would have ever known that one day we'd be in a rock band one day <laughs> doing videos and performing and stuff. But, you know, it was an amazing journey, man. And I'm, I'm blessed to, to be able to uh, have worked with the artists and for them to believe in me enough to, um, to give me confidence to, to do stuff like us in toilet paper. It was amazing. Yeah, yep. a little, and, little baby, and, little baby history of my journey. <laughs> right, and I mean, shit. I, to be honest, if you, as far as careers go, I didn't really have a music career before we met. I had a musical journey, but um, I didn't have songs placed with artists. I didn't, I didn't have any of that because I grew up in a band. And, you know, I, I got my first guitar when I was six years old, and my drum set when I was eight, and I started a band with my brother that lasted until I was about nineteen. We, we went to Musicians Institute in Hollywood for our instruments. So I went for percussion and we were in a band that was never going to go anywhere. And uh, I stuck in it till the wheels fell off. And I didn't really even start singing until we couldn't find a singer for our band. And that's why I started. And so I was writing music, but it was really just for myself for, you know, to to see what would happen. And, and then I met Jason and uh, he had already had such an established career and uh, like some of what I was doing in my engineering. And so we kind of just built from there, but, you know, it didn't really have a career until then. When I was growing up watching, ironically, like Motley Crue videos, I saw the engineer in the studio with the big control board and on MTV. And I thought that's what I want to do when I was in high school. 
And I couldn't find a place to go to college for that. So I went for communications and I thought if I can go through like the radio program and all of that, I'll learn how to edit audio. But my dream was to be an engineer. And my first, my first year of college, I did an internship at a recording studio in Massachusetts. And we spent the summer recording a 27 piece mariachi band. And I was tasked with moving the microphone for the maraca. And I was like, this is not Motley Crue. Like, I'm never doing this again. (laughs) This is not what I want to do. So sometimes it's not knowing what you want, but learning what you don't want. What you don't. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you talk about your engineering career, my head goes straight to the maraca. And I give you (laughs) so much credit because that was just so not fun for that summer. yeah well there's there's definitely um levels to it that are not the most fun thing in the world (laughs) and so to me i'm i'm very like i appreciate the fact that i can do it because i like to do it for myself and for the music that we make together but definitely when i was engineering for other people i definitely saw it as a day job (laughs) and but i was was grateful that it was still in music but like it was definitely not what i was trying to do I just want to put it out there. As I've gotten older, I have a deep appreciation for mariachi music now, more so than I ever did. Yes. But at the time, it was just not not my dream gig. You're like, do you realize there's an engineer that has to move the mic for everything, including the maracas? Like, it's so much more detailed than you think. That's one of the reasons why I ask a lot of these behind the scenes questions on the show, because people that love music, people that are defined by the songs they were listening to at that point in their life, music people are music people. And when I have artists on the show, whether they be sound engineers or guitar techs or drum, whatever it is, for most of us, we don't understand the work. And all of the people that are involved in making that record that we get, that we hold so dear. And it's fascinating to hear every job that's involved with making the music that is the soundtrack to our lives that we all live by. And so to work in a recording studio and to be that person literally recording these artists and have no emotional connection to it, but just to look at it like, this is my job. I'm in the studio. I'm going to record other people's music. But now for you to be in your own project, passionate about the music you make, it's like a full circle thing. A hundred percent. I couldn't have said it better myself. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I could tell you have a real passion and appreciation for all of it from zero to a hundred. And, I appreciate that about you and, and your, your questions are incredible. And, uh, you know, it's, it's taken, uh, taken me down some, some really great, uh, memory lanes. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, tell me how the concept you guys meet in 2010 in Vegas, you start working on some projects together. Obviously everybody has their pandemic story. And so what drugs were you on? What were you Here. drinking? Who came ah. up with guns and toilet paper? Where did this come from? Because I have a really hard time believing this was a sober idea. Uh, yeah, to keep for a good portion of it, I would say. Casa Azul, yeah, Ultra Casa Azul, the black bottle. Had a lot, a lot of inspiration, but also our, our band member, Triple Six, he's a great poet. And, you know, we were going through a time where for whatever reason, people, you know, had to shit a lot more and they wanted to be more safe with guns. So they cleared out all the toilet paper and all the guns. Strange enough, everybody just, I don't know if it was the virus that was giving everybody diarrhea, <laughs> but for whatever reason, toilet paper became like gold. You know what I'm saying? It's like real sought after. And my and our and our band member Triple Six wrote a poem about it, and me and Sasha both thought I was like, "Yo, this would be a, a crazy rock song." And then a light bulb came on and was like, "Wait, we should just name our band Guns and Toilet Paper." And that was the first song that we ever cut was Guns and Toilet Paper, and you know it was definitely inspired by the pandemic. 
I appreciate the pandemic because I don't think we would have a rock band if COVID wasn't created and released. I think I blame COVID for guns and toilet paper. And <laughs> it allowed us to have that, that time. It allowed us to drink that amount of tequila in Geneva and, and France and Cannes to be able to to just keep recording. Because I think we cut what the album, for real, for real, we cut the majority of it in about, what, about five days, right? Six days. All the vocals, yeah. Yep. All the vocals, yeah. So we went in and, um, you know, that it was that that poem, Guns and Toilet Paper, that got everything going. So thanks to COVID. You know, thank you, COVID. And, and tequila. Whoever, you know, creators. And to, thank you, COVID and tequila. Same time. <laughs> Triple six. Yeah. We owe you. Has anybody <laughs> ever done a scientific chemical analysis on toilet... On- on tequila to figure out why it is because for me there's a line where i'm all about the tequila and then i have that one extra drink and i am just full on into committing a felony i just the horns sprout (laughs) out of my what is it about tequila I don't know. I think it's amazing that you were about to say toilet paper instead of tequila when you started that sentence. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I've been a doomsday prepper for a long time, living kind of in the woods and whatever. Just because when you grow up in New England, this isn't something you experienced, but you you know. When you grow up in New England, yeah. the weather changes on a dime. And you could get yes. a hurricane in the middle of the summer and a blizzard in the middle of the winter. And either way, you lost yes. power. And you just, yep. New Englanders are hardy people that are kind of prepared for everything. And so it's yes. not that I was worried about zombies. It was just worried about about storms and whatever and being prepared. And out of all yep. of the things I had stockpiled in my basement, I never worried about toilet paper. No, it's weird. Because I just figured there's plenty of stuff you can wipe your ass with. Like, you're better off spending your money on other things you can't live without. Yeah, Yeah, it was weird. That whole movement was weird. Um, Thank God for it, you know, because we wouldn't be a band. We wouldn't be here right now answering these amazing questions from you. So, um, yeah. Definitely. I think that was part of it was like just the absurdity of it, you know? I think that's definitely what inspired it was it was just like like, what is happening right now? Like, why are the shelves that are supposed to be full of toilet paper completely empty right now? It's just completely insane. Yeah. And all the guns were gone and ammunition. Like, they were ready for war for a bunch of like a, a shitty warfare, I think. It was going to, in everybody's minds, like, as like, long as we could clean ourselves and protect ourselves, I think everybody just kind of went there and lost. That's all you need. Up. Yeah, don't worry about the clean water. Don't worry about food. Yeah, right. no. <laughs> food, yeah, yeah, Medical no, yeah. supplies. Yeah, no don't worry about any yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. Just stay, just the paper and guns. You go from being drunk on tequila and coming up with the concept. There's yeah. that part of it. At some point, you have to involve the outside world in this concept. Yeah. What was the response when you started talking to your musical friends? Because you guys have already established a a really successful musical career. A, was there a worry that if you said it out loud to your friends, they would think you were batshit crazy? And B, who's the person that was like, oh, we're getting a record deal for that? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know. I think that our friends have been well aware that we're batshit crazy for a long time. <laughs> yeah, First of all. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I will say that. And then, um, you know, getting getting it released uh, was just something that we did in-house. And uh, because, yeah, I think shopping this particular idea to record labels might not have been that fruitful. But, you know, record labels these days... Uh, you know, they're it's, it's hit or miss anyway. They're not, you know, yeah. what are they doing really? Yeah, so we, we were able to put this this music out independently on our own. And um, definitely, uh, I feel like because of that, you know, we were able to, to support it and not have to worry about, you know, a label not getting or, or seeing, understanding our vision. And it just made it easier for us. I know my wife thought I was crazy when I told her I was going to Geneva to do a rock album. She's just like, why? And I was just <laughs> like, because it's just a genre that I haven't been a part of. And I really, I want to go down and I want to look back at my career as a songwriter producer and be able to say, you know, we, I successfully, I successfully was a part of every genre that at least, that at least counts. You know, there's, there's genres that I feel like 
don't really matter. Um, but at the same time, I just wanted that to be a part of my of my history. And I've always loved rock music from the time I was able to listen to it. And I always wanted to, you know, try it out, man, just to see if we can make something that we genuinely loved and we're brutally honest about. So, but my wife thought I was crazy. Yeah, I'm sure she did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, why? I might be a little jaded because it's the the genre of music that I work in every day. But rock music has been cyclical, right? Obviously, there was a high point in the early to mid-90s. And then the new metal era with the Corns and Limp Bizkits and Rage Against the Machines and Linkin Parks, which that's when I started my radio career on the air. So that was a whole other thing. But rock music has always kind of had its ebbs and flows, Correct me if I'm wrong, but but we're we're climbing a hill again in creativity and rock music because it seems like there's this whole new breath of fresh air and this diversity in rock music. And dare I say, women stepping up and kind of taking a lot of the rock crown for somebody like me that's been waiting for this for decades. It's super exciting. But do you guys feel that this new breath of fresh air in rock music? I mean, Definitely, definitely. And uh, with with any luck, we'll be part of that conversation. Well, you already yeah, we'll are. Part of yeah. And, and I definitely feel like rock. I just feel like everything is in cycles in music with um, clothing. It's like this 20 year cycle. And I feel like, you know, just like bell bottoms, which I'm never going to be a fan of no matter what, when they come back. But I just feel like rock music. It's, it's it's back right now, and I feel like when you look at the the charts and you listen to look at the radio, it's definitely. I feel like for for females, I feel like they're coming to stick. They're they're standing out in every genre right now. Like we've never had. It was a twenty five year hiatus of female rappers, you know, until recently. Now they can. Now they're running the world. So I feel like women in general are just finally starting to you know get more respect and get more. Just get more shine, more, you know what I mean? More, more, more FaceTime. And um, I feel like it was a, a, a natural progression just for, for women to be able to like stick out in a genre that quote unquote was, you know, basically ran by, by men. So I think it was a natural progression. And I just felt like rock music definitely is, is coming back with a new, um, it's a new breath of fresh air. Just even the way we approach this album, it's not your typical rock album. Um, we, we we definitely included rock elements like electric guitar and all those things, but the melodies, the soul, the the poetry, I feel like it's, it's a whole new approach at rock. So it's cool. I feel like it's naturally time for rock and country to start shining more naturally now. And that know, line naturally. is blurring more and more with artists like Harley yeah, and Jelly yes. Roll, like... Yeah, it's like, wait, is this rock or country? It's like a whole new sound. So it was just a matter of time, I feel like, before this happened. So I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this this new breath of fresh air with, well, with uh, guns and toilet paper. You know that things are changing when Missy Elliott gets inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. A pioneer, like it's about freaking time. And Jay-Z, like, wait, wait a minute. They don't have a rap Hall of Fame? It's weird. So I guess, you know, it's just rock was always the cool, I'm a rock star. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, even if right. you're a rapper or whatever, it was always the coolest thing to be like, yeah, I'm a rock star. Even so, Dolly yeah. Parton's releasing a rock record. Yeah, what's going on? It's the end of the world, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dolly, We not, I didn't even know Dolly was coming. I'm scared now. She's amazing. She Wrong literally <laughs> has got rock stars stacked up like cordwood on this record. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Nobody says no to Dolly. No, no, she's a great songwriter. One of the greatest songwriters uh, of all time, I yep. feel like. Yep. Well, Smoke so, and Mirrors I'm- is the record, and as is the tradition... You release a record and then you yeah. take it out on the road. Can Absolutely. you guys take this on the road? Is the tour coming? There's definitely, there's absolutely shows being lined up, a radio tour coming. Like we are for sure going to go out there and make sure that these songs are heard live because nothing is better than live music. Yes. And we're coming to a toilet near you real soon. <laughs> Don't forget to flush. Can you can you stuff Tommy Lee in a duffel bag? Or are you going to be able to get him off the road with Motley Crue? Yo, you know, we we've talked about this with him, and his touring lasts forever. So every time he sends us a schedule, it's like, well, we're doing this continent. You know what I'm saying? All the stadiums. I'm like, well, 
if you got time, you know what I'm saying? Maybe you come do a show with us. So, <laughs> you know, hope we, we hope to have them, you know, be able to come and do some dates. Um, it's yeah. amazing that we can even have these conversations with him and, and this yeah. even be like an actual chance. Um, but yeah, we hope yeah. to be able to get him on some shows with us. And we're definitely Hopefully. coming to the toilet near you for sure. Yeah, we are working on perfecting cloning though. So there's a chance that, yeah. you know, you might be seeing a Tommy Lee clone. I clone. can't really. Yeah talk about it too AI. much AI, yeah we can't talk about it but AI yeah. is involved. well listen yeah. like we talked about before you got to be careful about which version of tommy you bring back because if you bring <laughs> 1985 tommy back your tour might not survive oh, no. <laughs> no, we got to bring back like the most recent tommy the more, yeah that's the perfecting more. part yeah 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 what tommy evolved into that's the part that okay. part yeah I always ask songwriters this question that come on the show because like I said before, I'm such a fan of the craft. And so any music fan can be asked about favorite songs, favorite, you know, the albums on a deserted island, but that's not what this question is. Can you guys give me an example of a song you think is perfectly crafted from any genre, any artist, but looking at it from a songwriter's perspective, Give me a song that is so perfectly crafted that you covet it and wish you wrote it yourself. Then then you got to tell me why. Oh, man. I got mine already, Sasha. Oh, go. Uh, Alanis Morissette, Isn't It Ironic? That song to me, word for word, um, metaphor for metaphor, irony, ironic metaphors to me, just hands down was brilliant. And I feel like I wish I would have wrote just 25% of that song, like, you know, even 5%, just because lyrically it's so like, you know, like a free ride and you already paid, like, come on, who says that? Nobody said anything remotely close to like those lyrics on, on Ironic, on even that, that whole album, you know, Jagged Little Pill, like for me, just lyrically, melodically, she was in her own world and it was like, it just, it raised the bar for songwriting for me as a songwriter. So I would say Ironic by Alanis Morissette. Well, having a point or two on Jagged Little Pill wouldn't suck. I mean, oh my it's, God. it's down Great. as one of the greatest debut albums in all of rock history. It's a masterpiece. Absolutely. It's got to be the greatest debut album of music history. I mean, who? I think so. She did 16 million back then. I mean, I'm sure it's probably. There's Appetite for Destruction, Hybrid oh Theory. There's oh there's some good ones yeah. out there, but right. she's but right. she's yeah. in the conversation. Right, right, yes, right, right, right. Yes, like song for song, lyric for yeah, like just across the board. Even her live performance and her sound, ta- her sound was so unique. Her tone was so unique and distinctive. Um, I miss her. Like I, I wish it. I wish that you know she could give us more. Um, give us more to the universe. So right, put that there. Like come back, Atlantis. And and a defining moment for women in rock too. To go back to what we were talking Absolutely. about, like she yeah. stopped everybody in their tracks. Yes. Yeah, wow. yeah, and I think she set the 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 blueprint, which I think Pink came in on her second album, like after um, "Can't Take Me Home." Her second album, I feel like, kind of took that where Atlantis was going, and um, with "I'm Coming Out" and those records, those rock records, I think Pink had a kind of grabbed the baton a bit from Atlantis Morissette. I, if I can, I can't really think of any other female artist that took it to that level and so that many that had that impact on on our universe outside of Pink Ooh. and Atlantis. I can Amber hear Levine. people in the comments oh, too. Oh, Avril Lavigne. Oh, yeah. oh, Avril Lavigne. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. And I think Avril kind of took it from Pink. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, right, right. There was that. Yeah, yeah it sure. was like, it was Atlantis and then Pink and then Avril. And then now we just need them all to come back. I would like for all of them to come back, you know, right. with rock music. Yeah. I, I can hear people in the comments saying, don't forget Pearl Jam 10. Greatest debut oh, album right. ever. Pearl Jam Camp. Oh my God. Yeah. Pearl Jam nice. was amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Sorry, Pearl Jam. We did not mean to leave you out on purpose. Sorry. <laughs> not intentionally. We love you, Pearl Jam. What about what about you? We gave you enough time to think about it. There's gotta be one. I know. I know. I'm gonna have I'm to say hit, hit me, baby, one more time by a British. Oh, player. come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, okay, okay, okay. Okay. Um I was I was torn between two. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say maybe like heart shaped box by Nirvana. Um, it, absolutely incredible. But then like, how do you not just say like Bohemian Rhapsody? I mean, that's just crazy. Oh, you know what I mean? Wow. 
Is that cliche to just like throw that out there? I mean, Jesus. Some other know. artists have said that on the show, but it but it warrants repeating because that song violates every rule yes. for a successful yes. hit yes. pop radio song. Like it literally threw the rule book out the window. Completely. Yes. And and just like the the craftsmanship of it, the performance of it, all of it is is unbelievable. It's it's just crazy. Like, you know, cliche or not. Like and then the fact that though the song like that is cliche to answer a question like this to is, you know, it speaks to exactly what you're talking about. Like how? It's insane. Yeah. No, there's never been anything remotely close to that song since then, especially right. not on the radio. Like that was like a album cut, you know, back like back then with right. all those quarter changes, it's like, wait, we're gonna lose the listeners. So right. yes, they they broke every rule. Like, For yes, sure. that's a good discussion. And it's yeah. arguably bigger as a radio hit now than it ever was when it came out. Right. You know what? Yes, I can see that after being after being in so many movies and so many sinks. Yes. Yep. Right. But then, yeah. and then I'm gonna also say yesterday because I know you asked for one question or one song, but oh, yesterday, yesterday by the Beatles, come on, yeah, that's, like, that's amazing, yeah, uh, yeah. The God, Beatles believe. come up all the time on this show, they're my favorite rock band of all time, so I welcome it. And yeah. what always amazes me and every other artist that brings them up is not the not the library of music, not the not the list of amazing songs, but the fact that they all came out in like seven and a half years. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like they didn't just write and rewrite and change all of musical history. They did it in their 20s in seven and a half years where artists like Tool, like they didn't release one album in seven and a half years. The Beatles released all of them. Yeah, yeah, that's massive. Yeah. Yeah. Aliens. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think, do you think Paul McCartney is an alien? I mean, we're all aliens to somebody. Yeah, I I think Paul McCartney, I think all of them. Yeah, I think they all have all been aliens. Um, And John Lennon, for sure. You know, he was definitely strange in in the best way. Well, (laughs) yes, I think all of us are strange in the best way. You guys included, considering you're in a band called Guns and Toilet Paper. So I'll take it. Yes, thank you for saying that. It is a compliment. That. Thank you. It yes, is a compliment. You. It's a hundred percent a compliment. Well, I was so thank excited you. when I found out I was going to talk to you guys because I knew that you were going to meet every expectation, and you have. I'm. I just. Oh, I think you. it's so hilarious, and would be so quick for people to see it as a novelty and not see the craft behind it, but knowing the talent and powerhouse and experience multi-genre experience that has collided into this project. It's kind of undeniable, which is hilarious. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so that. much. And the I, fact that is... you ripped off Tropic Thunder for the video. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> I love that movie. I love that movie. Yeah, man. Yeah, Unbelievable man. movie. Yes. That would have everybody in it canceled if it came out today. That's exactly what I was going to say. You can always <laughs> tell someone's sense of humor based yes. on whether or not they think that movie is funny or insulting. Right. Amazing. That was a bri- brilliant writing. Like everybody in there crushed their roles. It was amazing acting. Yeah. I felt like it should have got way more um, uh, recognition than, than it did. You know. Well, Robert Downey Jr. got nominated for an Academy Award for it. Yeah, I mean, he played a black guy. He crushed <laughs> that. Like, I mean, he went, he definitely, you know, went beyond, um, beyond, yeah. over and beyond that role. He uh, correction, that, you know? he played a white guy playing a black guy. He played a white guy playing a black guy. That's, uh-huh. that's deep. That's layers. That's like Inception. That's like layers. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. That's why they nominated him. You can't, who yeah. does that? Nobody's did, done it since then or did it before that. So And somebody at that. some point had to sit down across a table like you did and yes. pitch it. Right. Yeah, and throw it out there. And somebody had to be crazy enough to, to invest in it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I saw him on an interview it. talking. I saw him on an interview talking about it. And he was like, my mom was like, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he caught some backlash like last year about it. Weird enough, like he just finally caught some backlash a year ago about it. After all these years, it's like it's too late, guys. You can't say anything now. You missed your window. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You don't get to be yeah. insulted after the fact. It's all no, yeah, not. Right. No. What's the statue of limitations on like insults? Correct. There's statues on that. Yeah, it's like seven yeah. years. Probably. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Max. Well, yeah. when you guys decide to schedule the tour and you come into New yeah. England, there is a bottle of tequila waiting for you guys with me. I can't wait to meet you. Oh, likewise. Um, Thank you so that. much. We're going to bring our own bottle and match it with you so we can have double the fun. I'm yep. I'm waiting for it. I'm just warning you, you're probably going to end up in jail with me. But that, but it'll Let's make go. for a great song. You know somebody that knows somebody, you know what I'm saying, that can get us, you know what I'm saying, get us yeah. out and get it expunged. I got a couple yeah, of friends. Gail has the worst toilet paper, so I don't know. I might, I might skip it. That's why I keep <laughs> a thing of wet wipes in my purse, because you never know. Ooh. Yes, my wife's alive. To- yes, absolutely. <laughs> wife's amazing. Guys, thank you. Thank you so too. much for your time today. It was so nice to meet you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Likewise. Chris, you did an amazing interviewing job. We you asked us questions we've never been asked before, and I appreciate that. It was very refreshing. Yes. 100%. Thank you. Yeah. There they are, Sasha Sirota and Jason Paul, otherwise known as GXTP, Their new album, Smoke and Mirrors, is available now. And if you check the show notes of this episode, you can find the link to the single Contraband featuring the one and only Tommy Lee. You'll also find all the links to find GXTP online and all the Mistress Carrie links and the link to this episode's corresponding playlist. I make a playlist for every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast that features all of my guest music and all the artists and songs that we referenced in the interview. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday, plus every weekday you get the sit rep, which is all of your rock news, music headlines, and entertainment updates in about five minutes. And you never know when we're going to release a bonus episode. You can join me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my official Facebook page for my live streaming video show, Cocktails in the War Room. And of course, you can always find me on the radio. Get the details on all that and more at mistresscarry.com. And don't forget to check off some of the people on your shopping list in the online Mistress Carry store. The Mistress Carry podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.